Hey everybody, welcome to Salem Fields Community Church and happy Labor Day weekend. I'm Pastor Chris, and if you're wondering where I am right now, well, that's a really good question. Well, I'm here on the Rappahannock River, on the trail by the Rappahannock River in Fredericksburg that maybe you have hiked before if you're a local. Well, just around 170 years ago, the water that you see behind me was part of the Rappahannock Canal. And this was a construction project with the plan of making the river commercially navigable above the Fall Line Rapids in Fredericksburg. And this project was designed with 15 miles of canal and about 14 guard locks in mind. It wound up taking about 37 years of planning, 20 years of construction, and four years of operation. And when you think about it, it's amazing that back in the 1800s, people were able to build something like this without big excavators, without GIS software. And projects like this were done by hand, but they weren't willy-nilly. It wasn't like people just started digging and trying to figure out where they would end up. And the reason for this was because they were able to have blueprints. They worked through blueprints. See, blueprints are the plans that guide and give structure for what to expect. And they, they lay out a plan for what's to happen. And so today we're starting a brand new sermon series called Blueprints for Belonging Community, where Pastor James is gonna walk us through Jesus's Sermon on the Mount about the expected and unexpected pieces and plans of what Jesus says about what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God right here and right now. So go ahead and check in on Facebook, check in on social media, let your friends know that you're here worshiping with us and they can join us too. And if it's your first time with us, well, first off, hello. We are glad and excited that you're here with us. And if you just take a minute to visit salemfields.com contact, you can fill out a connection card for us. It's just super helpful for us to be able to connect with you, get to know you better. There's also some room for prayer requests on there too. I know that ministry may start here at Salem Fields on the weekends, but it doesn't end here. We have lots of ways we're serving the community, lots of ways that we can connect in groups and do lots of amazing things in God's work. So uh, we wanna ask you to continue to support that ministry through your tithes and offerings. And thank you to all who have continued to do that. And there's a number of ways that you can give to support the ministry here online and electronically through our app, through our website. Also on the live stream page, there's a little button that you can click or you can also snail mail a check. We believe that giving our tithes and offerings is a spiritual practice. It's not giving dues or trying to pay off the church, but it's a way that we give back to God a portion that he has blessed us with. And so we want to invite you to do that. And also, I want to also invite you there to participate in a couple of things that we have coming up. And one of those is on Saturday, September 12th, we're going to have a hike at Mott's Run at Mott's Run Reservoir. It's going to start at noon, a great chance to just meet people, get outside a little bit to connect. We're going to start off with a devotion and prayer at noon. And so we're going to meet at noon at the Trench Hill Lane cul-de-sac, not the main entrance to Mott's Run. And if you're interested in joining us for that, you can just email Chris, K-R-I-S, at SalemFields.com. And then the following weekend, on Saturday, September 19th, we're going to have our first annual Family Connect Fishing Derby. It's going to be super fun at the Salem Fields Pond. And there's going to be two sessions for that for families, people of all ages, there's gonna be two sessions. The first is from 8.30 to 10.30 in the morning. The second is from 5 to 7 p.m. at night. We just ask that you bring your own equipment, bring your own bait. We're gonna have prizes and trophies and just a lot of fun that day. And if you're interested in serving, helping with that, or even being a part of that with any questions, you can just email reenie at salemfields.com. And then on Friday, September 26th, 
we're going to have our prayer by the fire that evening from 6 to 9 p.m. It's a drop-in prayer opportunity. We're going to be praying for one another, for the church, for community, and for our world. And mark your calendars for that. It's going to be a powerful time of prayer together. And we're also going to continue to offer in-person worship services every Sunday at 9 o'clock a.m. on the Gordon Road campus. And children's and youth ministry programs will remain online for the time being. Children at 10.20 a.m. and youth at 10.35 a.m. at salemfields.com slash live or also on Facebook Live. And we're also going to have our online services regularly at Saturday at 6 p.m. Sunday and at 9 and 11 a.m. So thanks so much for joining us. We are glad that you're here. We're glad we're able to come together from across the region, from around the country, and from around the world, all together to worship and hear from our Heavenly Father today. Just one word you come a storm is around Just one word The darkness has to retreat Just one touch I feel the presence of them Just one touch My eyes were open to see Jesus, I will believe for greater things. 
grace God, I need it every day It's the only thing that ever really Makes me wanna change I don't wanna abuse your grace God, I need it every day It's the only thing that ever really Makes me wanna change I don't wanna Your heart to me, my God, my God, you're in. 
God, the earth, the moon, the sun, the stars, the oceans, the mountains, the trees that grow beside the waters, the animals that come to the stream to drink. It's all your work. You have created it. You gave us the sun which marks the days and the moon that marks the months. It all fits together like the workings of a clock. Then you gave us the ability to care for it all. You gave us the chance to care for each other. There is so much work to do, God. Help us to remember we do the work for you. If we cook, let us cook as though your son will be a guest at the table. If we paint, let us paint as though the picture will hang in your house. If we clean, let us clean as if your angels are coming to our home to dance. We will keep you in mind, God, in all things, in all we do. When we labor and when we rest, you created and you took a break. We will take this day and stop. We will breathe. We will appreciate the gifts you have given us, our hands, our feet, our minds, our hearts. We will look around and see our lives as a gift, we will be grateful for the jobs we have. We will pray for those who cannot find work. We will reach out a hand to help those who cannot help themselves. We will be grateful for this day, this moment set aside to say thank you to the one who began a good work and continues that work in us. Amen. Good morning, Salem Fields. Good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're watching this, whether you're here in the auditorium or alive, we're glad to have you here today. Today we begin a brand new message series called Blueprints for a Belonging 
a community, or as we have on the screen, a call to revolutionary belonging and community. Have you ever tried to read a blueprint? Have you ever been in a situation where you've tried to read a blueprint and you've tried to kind of figure out the scaling of the blueprint and figure out how big a, a a room is or how big an auditorium is and you're, you're trying to take the scale and they give you a little scale at the bottom of it and the scale goes to foot to inches and you're trying to figure it out. This would be the time when that college algebra that I hated would come into, would come into its own. Blueprints are hard to read. Blueprints don't give us some sense of what something looks like. In fact, there's a definition of blueprints that works like this. It's a noun, something resembling a blueprint as in serving as a model or providing guidance, especially a detailed plan or program of action. So let me give you kind of the big picture of this message and this series. The big picture is this, Jesus' blueprints for belonging community, his message on the mount is the ultimate word concerning belonging and community, God's kingdom. His blueprints for belonging are as radical and revolutionary today as they were in the first century. When we truly live out the blueprints, for a belonging, we quit doing church, we get rid of status quo religion, and we turn the world right side up by going public with Jesus. It's a very interesting time. Jesus has come on the scene. John has already talked about that he's the lamb that will take away the sins of the world. And Jesus is, is beginning to uh, kind of have his coming out message. But all along the way, his cousin John has been, been preaching this certain word. It says in Mark 1, 14 through 15, after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee preaching the message of God. Time's up. God's kingdom is here. Change your life and believe the message. So what was John saying before he was rested? And what was Jesus saying? Uh, what was he talking about when he talks about changing? Changing what? What does the life of a belonger of the kingdom of God look like? What was Jesus trying to what was he trying to architect? What was he trying to uh, build and make possible in the kingdom? Well, I can tell you this much. It was not the religion of the Pharisees or the religious leaders of Jesus's day who claimed to have this market, the corner of the market on Moses's law, just like legalistic folks of today, they did the commands of God better by going beyond what the Bible had done in setting up rules and regulations. I mean, they put a hedge and a fence around what they were doing so they wouldn't even get close to breaking the law. So they wouldn't be get close to breaking a regulation. Sounds great, right? I mean, we don't even want to get close to breaking God's law. We don't want to get close to breaking the commandments. But the problem is they did not give a rip about breaking the commandments. They did not give a rip about breaking the law. That's not what they were about. They were concerned about their own self-rightness. They were like the, the publican and the, and, and, and the tax collector that went up, to the, uh, that went up to the temple one day to pray. 
And the Bible says the, the publican went up to the temple and the publican was proud of himself. The publican was a self-made man, a bootstrapping kind of a guy. And he went up with his chest in the air, his, his shoulders pulled back. He went up with his muscles pumping. And he, he said something like this, God, you are so lucky. You are so lucky to have a guy like me. You are so lucky to have me serving you. You are so lucky because, God, I do everything right. I don't break the commandments. I keep all the rules. God, you are fortunate to have me. And Jesus said, the other guy, this tax collector, he, he kind of went and he didn't even look up to the sky. The, the Bible says, in fact, that he kind of bent low. He bent low. And, and, and the Bible says that he got it down on his knees, basically. And, and he said, to, he said something like this, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the Bible says that that, that that tax collector went away. That tax collector went away right with God and, and, and not the publican. See, because they weren't concerned. They were concerned about what people would think about them and their piety. They loved to talk about how they went above what Moses required, how they gave more, how they prayed more, and how they bathed more. I mean, wouldn't that be your bragging right? You know, I give more, I pray more, and I shower more. That's what they were concerned about. They got bragging rights, but Jesus said that's all they would get. So what is Jesus talking about when he calls for this 180 degree change, something radically different than what the religious kind of sentiments of his day or ours. What he begins to teach his followers is not just another formalized, run-of-the-mill religion, but a new heart attitude towards God and people, a tood, I like to use that term, a tood, an attitude, a tood that runs counter to human nature. So what is this blueprint? There are all types of views concerning the message on the mountain. Some say that it was an unattainable idea. I mean, that you, if you read the Sermon on the Mount with any degree of self-examination, you come to realize pretty fast that you and I don't measure up. The godliness that Jesus is talking about in the blueprints far exceeds anything that we can come up with, anything that we can bootstrap, anything that we can learn, anything that we can come up with, it far exceeds it. I mean, it's not about rules or some kind of watered down love for those around us. It's about a radical change of our attitudes and our heart that's beyond human reach. Because, you know, the best that we can do, the best that we can come up with, even with the people that we love, even with the people that we care about, even with the people that mean a great deal to us, the best that we can do does not measure up to what Jesus was calling us to. Because Jesus taught, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Or as Eugene Peterson paraphrases it, live out your God-created identity, live generously and graciously towards others the same way God lives towards you. But we ask, how can someone be perfect? How can we live out our God-created identity? And so we have the tendency to want to reduce the blueprints for a belonging community, the message on a mount to a great ideal, 
something that we can get close to on one of our best spiritual days. You know, you, you have days that you get up and you just, you, you're on, right? You're just on. You're feeling it. You're feeling it. You're feeling the power of the Spirit and you feel really good and you got a smile on your face and everything's firing on all the cylinders and, and you, you're feeling like that publican. You say, God, you know what? Today I'm on. You're lucky to have me. And you just, you just feel like you're on. But even on our best day, even on a day when we're doing everything right, when everything seems to measure up, on our best day, uh, we, 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 when we get the closest to this, we still, we, still can't, we still cannot make it happen. I mean, it be, our best day becomes the gold standard, but we still can't reach this great model Secondly, some people says it's a radical alternative to modern values. Of course, we live in a world where most people don't even acknowledge Jesus or his radical message or his standard or his blueprints. That's the kind of world we live in. I mean, think about this. He, he says, blessed, when, blessed are you when you're at the end of your rope. No. I mean, who wants to be at the end of their rope? Blessed are you when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. No, no, no. We want to do more. We want to be more. We want to achieve more. A ruthless ladder climbing kind of a success no matter what the cost is the religion of many of us. Blessed are you when you get your inside world, your mind, your heart put right? I don't think so. Blessed when you worked up a good appetite with God? Give me a break. I mean, our world tells us to invest for the future, to command the highest salary that we can, to accumulate all we can because the one who dies with the most toys wins. <laughs> right? Wrong. Jesus tells us to not hoard treasures on earth because money can become our God. And then he goes on to tell us in Matthew 6, 31 to 33, relax. He tells us to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. So he says, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provision. Don't worry about missing out and you'll find your everyday human concerns will be met. Maybe you've been there. You, you, you have this concern. You have this thing that you're dealing with and, and you're, you're spending so much of your time trying to figure it out, so much of your time trying to climb ladders and trying to achieve the, the objective that you're going for. And you can be so stressed out and so wore out. And Jesus' call for us is to come along with him, to get along with him, and that he will restore us in that moment. And some, so sometimes it's, it's, it's not in worrying. It's not in all of the stuff that we run after. Sometimes it's just about resting in God. Because here's the reality. Here's the reality. God knows exactly what's going on in your life and my life. He knows what we're going through. He knows the stuff that we're struggling with. He knows the needs that we have. And so we can take those things to him and rest in him. Now, does that mean that we don't participate? Of course we participate. But our first thing is to rest. 
Our first thing is to look to him. Our first thing is to acknowledge that he is our provider, that he is the God that goes before us, that he is our savior, that he is our healer, that, that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and we begin to rest. See, we build great institution naming buildings after big donors. You know, if, you get the, if you're the big donor, you get your name on the building. And then we take the small downers and we put them on a plaque somewhere where you can't see them. But here's what Jesus says. Here's his radical message. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it quietly and unobtrusively. This is the way your God who concedes you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. See, there's this mythic that goes like this. All roads lead to God. But this radical teacher, this radical teacher's blueprint say something like this. The way to life to God is vigorous and requires total attention. Talk about narrow-minded. Talk about exclusive thinking. Jesus comes on the scene, and he gives us this blueprint that, that kind of blows our mind. The third thing that people talk about is they talk about it being a Christian counterculture. You see, what Jesus was teaching in the blueprints to belonging community isn't warmed over religion. It's not just kind of half-baked stuff. He's not taking the stuff that was already there and kind of ratcheting up a notch. Sometimes we think that. We think that all Jesus did is took the law and he, he kind of ratcheted up a notch. notch. No, he, he comes and he fulfills it. It's not warmed over religion. It's a call to a radical change, a revolution, if you will. It's a change in attitude and heart, a change in values and lifestyle. There are many times in our journey and in our culture, in our world, that we look at the folks who are belongers and we look at the folks who are not belongers and sometimes we don't even see a difference. Preacher scholar John Stott writes that the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' own description of what he wanted his followers to be and do. To my mind, says Stott, he says, no two, world, no two, two words sum up its intention better or indicate more clearly its challenge to the modern world than the expression Christian counterculture. Some, says, some say it's just a pipe dream or a possibility. When we consider the practicality of Jesus' blueprints for a belonging community, his message on the mount, commentators are divided. There are several views, right? That some people say it's just kind of unattainable and unpractical, though noble. This unpragmatic idealism of a visionary, a dream without fulfillment, some say it's kind of eschatological ethic capable of a fulfillment only in the age to come. Eschatology means concerning the last days or the end times. Some say it's an interim ethic by a deluded prophet designed to prepare his followers for the end of history, a kind of martial law, not an ethic for every day. Schweitzer said that. Some call it the constitution of a millennial kingdom in which Jesus would live. The law of Moses raised to the nth power. It's not a law in effect now, and it's not binding on Christians. Some call it a self-evidently -evident, true, common to all religions, and easy to follow. 
Uh, this is kind of a superficial view of those who've not really read and really thought through what Jesus was saying. The last thing that commentators say, and this is the one that I ascribe to, is, just, is, is that the blueprints for community, the message on the mount, a belonging community, the message on the mount is a way of life made possible only by a new heart brought about by a spiritual birth. Jesus was teaching his followers a new way of life, a kingdom way of life that's only possible by the Spirit of God living and working through us, the Spirit of God transforming us from the inside out, the Spirit of God that consumes us and indwells us and empowers us and purifies us and takes us to the next level, allowing us and enabling us to love our, love our neighbors and love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength.
only possible by the Spirit of God working inside us, his body. Listen to what Matthew says about the beginning of the message. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside, and those who apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. So there are other people who heard this, but he was, he was giving this message to the committed ones, the belongers, the people in the church. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. And so Jesus began to share these blueprints that includes all that they would need to discover a belonging community lifestyle. He addresses all kinds of kingdom community. So in this introductory message to the series, let me give you some of the headliners of the blueprints. He talks about the character of belonging citizens and Matthew 5, 1 through 16. He talks about the true spirit and intent of the law in Matthew 5, 17 through 48. In Matthew 6, 1 through 18, he begins to talk about the nature and, and true goodness. In Matthew 6, 19 through 34, he talks about the dangers of greed. And then in Matthew 7, 1 through 29, he talks about true discernment. So I want to leave you with a couple of thoughts today in this introduction to our new matter, message series. Two radical thoughts. First, the blueprints to a belonging community is a call to revolution. This is not, Jesus didn't come on the scene saying, listen, guys, I've come to kind of ratchet things up a notch. He didn't come on the scene saying, listen, guys, you know what? I just want to, I just want to kind of take and sterilize what you've already known. He didn't come on the scene saying, folks, you know, things aren't are going to change just a little bit. He came on the scene and he radically, he called for a revolution, a radical re-understanding of the kingdom of the of belonging and what it meant to be in community. See, revolution means upheaval. Revolution means overthrowing the status quo. We dare not downplay the significance of the word. Revolution is a matter of life and death. And if in fact the blueprints of a belonging community, Jesus' message on the mount is as radical as it seemed in first century, then it's time to get busy about God's kingdom that will take place here on earth like in heaven. And here's the good news. The, revolutionary, the revolution begins with us. It begins with those who are belongers, those who have, who have decided to believe, those who have decided to act out, those who have decided to be a part of the body of Christ. It belongs, it begins with us. And you see, here's the deal. You and I can pray and fast till we pass out. But if we are not willing to embrace to digest and to live out these blueprints for a belonging community, to live out this lifestyle ethic, we totally miss what Jesus was saying. Every revolution has begun with people willing to lay down their lives for a cause. In USA, America, there were some patriots in New England that threw some tea, some tax tea, overboard and refused to pay taxes on tea, refused to be puppets of a king 
that was overseas and a revolution began. And the, the story says that Crispus Attucks was the first to die for that revolution. So every revolution begins with people willing to lay down their lives. And USA America, God is not so much literally asking us to lay down our lives as much as he is asking us to become living sacrifices, to become living martyrs for the kingdom, to be willing to put aside what we want and what we would have and our preferences and how we would want the kingdom to look at, like and to begin to embrace the kingdom as he has set forth it forth in the blueprints for belonging. Nothing can stop a revolution if we're willing to lay down our lives, to, if we're willing to fully surrender, if we're willing to tap out, if we're willing to say, God, listen, I know what I would want, but not what I want, your will be done. God, would you fill me with your spirit? Would you empower me in such a way that I'm transformed and I become one of your revolutionaries? See, this, this blueprint for community for this belonging community is the ultimate counterculture conflict because Jesus said we are salt and light of the earth. And, and, and as salt and light, we're supposed to light the world, we're supposed to season to bring out the great flavors of the earth. But rather than seasoning the world like salt and brighten the world like light, most of the time we smell and taste just like the world and our darkness and our, and our light is overcome. Our light is overcome by darkness. It's time for a revolution. Jesus said he came to set captives free, but rather than helping to set captives free by the power of the Spirit at work in us, many of us have been ensnared and enslaved by the same chains. It's time for a revolution. Jesus said, go and make the disciples of all nations, instruct and baptize and teach, but it seems to, to be being discipled by them. We seem to be being discipled by them to be being, being squeezed into the world's mold and learning their ways and imitating their lifestyles and conforming to their values. We need a revolution. So how do we light the fires of revolution? By reflecting Jesus, the light of the world, and leading, and leading loving, lost back to God. We, we light the fires of revolution by sharing our stories, our 24-7 living and using words if necessary. We light the fires of revolution by speaking and acting on behalf of those held in captivity. We light the fires of revolution by living holy lives, which is right living in every area of our public and private lives. We light the fires of revolution by acts of kindness and love and compassion and by overcoming evil with good. We light the fires of revolution by fasting and praying, by being a prophetic voice and a moral conscience in our society. We light the fires of revolution by spirit-led community involvement and by the resistance of injustice and oppression as we see it in our world. Every revolution has begun when people said something's missing, something is amiss, something is wrong. There must be something better and greater than this. 
There must be something greater than eating and drinking and working and sleeping and existing. There must be something greater than just accomplishing the American dream. There must be something greater than simply getting a good education so we can find a good job and have a good family so that our kids can get a good education and find a good job and have a good family so their kids can have a good education, find a good job, and have a good family. And we begin to ask this question, is that, is this what God has put us here for? Is this why we're on earth? No, there is more. We're here to change the culture. We're here to see to it that God's kingdom come and his will is done right here, right now, not in some distant future, not in the by and by, not when we all get to heaven, but today. We're here to change a community, a neighborhood, a country, a state, a nation, a globe. We only have so many years on this big blue planet, and one day our Our days will come to an end. What we do, what will we do that counts for eternity? The Bible says that that David served his purpose and his generation and then he died. What a great, what a great appetite. David served his purpose. I could add his God-given purpose and his generation and then he died. That's why we're here. That's why God has placed us here. The Bible says life, lovely while it lasts, is soon over. Life as we know it, precious and beautiful ends. The body is put back in the same ground it came from. The spirit returns to God who first breathed it. On that day, when life comes to an end, only one thing will matter. Did we fulfill our God-given purpose? Did we Did we make possible, did we make room for others to belong in community? Did we do the things that make heaven on earth happen? Did we bring hope to those looking for hope all over the world and all over our community? Did we make a lasting impact for Jesus? Did we make his kingdom and his will take place in our world? The martyred missionary Jim Elliott knew this well, so he wrote these now famous words, the man is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The man or woman is no fool when he or she gives what they cannot keep to gain what they cannot lose. So the blueprints for a belonging community is an imitation. If you're already a belonger, If you're already a Christian today, you're in grave danger of missing the point. We've seen this so many times. We've heard this sermon on the mount so many times. We've heard the Beatitudes. We heard it so many times that we're in danger of just letting it kind of go in one ear and out the other. I encourage you to read it with new eyes, to read it with new ears, to read it with the open heart. Read it out loud. Read it in a new translation. Write about it in your journal. Compose a poem. Talk about it with your family and in your small group gatherings. Try to hear it as if you were sitting on the mountain that day as one of the people who had gathered around Jesus. Let his radicalness shame you and inflame you. Live it, breathe it, let it get inside of you. If you're a pre-belonger, a seeker today, let the blueprints to a belonging community, the message on the mount, introduce you to the real Jesus. His words are radical and challenging and at the same time comforting. I encourage you to pray as we begin this series. See, Jesus is forming a people for today. 
He's putting together a brand, a band of radical followers who refuse to insulate themselves from the blueprints to a belonging community by engaging in comfortable, run-of-the-mill religion. He's calling for a group of disciples who live out uh, the lifestyle ethic of the kingdom, which challenges the present world order. He's looking for people that will take seriously his blueprints to a belonging community by living in such a way that the kingdom come and his will is done right here and right now. So Jesus is calling you. You're invited. Would you join the revolution? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this call to revolution. Thank you for these blueprints these blueprints for a belonging community. And Father, as we jump into this series and we jump into Matthew 5, 6, and 7, your words spoken through your Son, our Savior, Father, we ask that you would help us hear it for the first time afresh and anew and that you would challenge us and that you would call us up short and that you would search us. And Father, that we would begin to align our lives with your blueprints for a belonging community in such a way that people would see it and people would be drawn to it. Thank you for what you're doing, Father, in these days. Thank you for what you're teaching us about what it means to belong in community. Father, I, I suspect that there are some people here that might be listening to this and might not belong to the community, might not know anything about this radical Messiah that came to earth and died for us, died for them. And Father, maybe they're seeking belonging today. And Father, I just thank you that, that they can just kind of cry out to you and that you are the God who hears those cries and you're the God who answers, that they can cry out something like this, God, I want to belong. I don't know all about it. I, I, I don't know all the intricacies of it, but I feel drawn to it. And so, Father, here I am, such as I am. I give myself to you. I want to belong Father, we thank you that you hear that kind of prayer. And if you're praying that kind of prayer today, please let us know about it. We want to connect with you. We want to get you discipled. We want to help you understand what it means to belong. And then there's some Christians that are belongers that we just need to, to start afresh anew to recommit ourselves to these blueprints. And so, Father, help us as belongers in the community to go to the next level to belong. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, let me give you some next steps for today. I want you to memorize Mark 1, 14 to 15. So to memorize that verse, Mark 1, 14 to 15. And then I want you to look at the, the reflect on Matthew 5, 3 to 12. Just check, check it out, dive into it, reflect on it. And then as we continue our series, I want you to commit to reading Matthew uh, 5 through 7. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Let's get back to worship in the song. We love you. Have a great one. By the way, let's give, a, let's give God applause for his word this morning. So let's thank him for his word this morning. God bless you. Love you. Have a great one.
my soul never sent From the gravest of all valleys Come the pastures we call graves A mighty river flowing upwards From a much for joining us for worship today and know that you belong here at Salem Fields Community Church. And be sure to join us on Facebook Live on Monday at 2 p.m. when we're going to be having our deeper dive and that's where Pastor James is going to go a little bit deeper into his message and some of the things that he brought up. And there's also lots of great small groups and events that happen weekly online and also in person. So keep tabs on those things and you can email us at info at salemfields.com with any questions that you have or if you're interested in connecting and i can promise you that one of our pastors will personally be in touch with you so we hope to see you next weekend whether in person at 9 a.m or online saturday at 6 p.m or sunday at 9 or 11 a.m but until then enjoy some time outside be a blessing to somebody else and have an awesome week